Matthew 16, beginning with verse 13. Matthew 16, 13. Jesus had traveled uh, some 110 miles to get to where he is right here in this scripture. Bible says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. He says unto them, But whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Brother Ray Lewis, would you lead us in prayer, brother? Amen. You may be seated. When the word church is used, what mental image do you have? Think about that for a moment. Church. Church. People say, we're going to church. Uh, this is the church. Well, this is the church, those of you uh, uh, who are sitting here. We're in, the, in God's house. This is his building. We are the church. Um, people say, we're going to church. So we're gathering the church is gathering this morning in the house of the Lord. But think about the mental image that uh, pops in your mind when you hear the word church. They're all over our county. You know, no one in our county today has an excuse for not going to God's house if they're physically able. Nobody in our county has an excuse for not hearing the word of God because it's on TV. It's on radio. Nobody has an excuse. And think about the ark. When God told Noah to build the ark, told him how big he wanted to build it. There was no body of water big enough to even float such a vessel. So the people's idea was, what do we need that for? We don't need that. They didn't. Until the day that God shut the door. And they realized then, as it began to rain, they needed the ark. No, people don't need the church today. People don't need the people in the church today. But it's amazing to me when somebody gets down and out and lose everything or a death occurs, what do they do? They go to run into the church house. Had a person one time to die and the, and the family called and, and said, uh, we don't have anywhere to bury him. Um, we'd love to bury him in your cemetery. It's okay, no problem. We charge $1,500. Oh, I'm sorry. I will call somebody else. Okay, we had our cemetery was basic for the members. Okay, you could buy a plot. It wasn't you wasn't buying it. You were just putting your name down. Five dollars. Hey, that's all it was. So this person called a friend of mine, and then the friend calls me. And say, hey, you know so and so's got a death in the family. I said, yeah. Well, they called me. Said you wouldn't let them be buried in your cemetery. I said, no, I didn't say that. I told me it cost them fifteen hundred dollars getting buried there. So, well, they've told me that they want me to uh, give them a little spot over there by the creek under that magnolia tree. What do you think I ought to do? I said, I wouldn't do it if I was you. <laughs> I said, you'll have a, a grave there that nobody can supposed to mess with and disturb, and it's, it's on your property. If you ever go to sell the property, somebody may not buy it. 
A church today, listen, I feel like the church today is being used. I've had people call wanting to get married in the church. I said, well, where do you live? And they told me, I said, well, why do you want to get married here? Well, we drove by and it looked pretty good. And we thought it would be a good place to get married. I said, well, it don't work that way. He said, you sure are hard. No, I'm not hard. Jesus said, upon this rock, the rock of Jesus, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What was he meaning? Well, he was simply meaning, hey, it's not going to come against it. It's not going to stand in the way. And so we got to guard that way. The gates of hell shall not prevail against God's church. She's a living organization. She is an organization that God said, go ye therefore. Now, I don't have a problem with all these other churches. You know, hey, we pray for them every morning. I pray for all the churches in our county that preach the word of God. Hey, if they're preaching the word of God, more power to them. But what I understand is they're dragging people out of churches like ours and other churches. Hey, we just feel better going there. Well, we can dress like we want to going there. Uh, we like this and that better than we do at our church. Well, just go there. I don't go out to eat at the same place all the time. <laughs> I go where the food's good. I don't worry about the price. If the food's good, I'm going to pay the bill. <laughs> and I'm going to tip the waitress. And I'm going to tell her or him, thank you for the good service. Go where you want to go. But if a church, listen, if a church is not preaching the word of God and they're not giving to missions, it's not, a, it's not what we classify as a gospel preaching, gospel going church. Check it out. It's okay to check it out. You know what I told Lynn the other day? And I'm not sure that I won't do this yet. I'm thinking about picking a spy. They don't come out today and say, I'll be your spy. Yeah. When I pick this spy, it's going to be somebody that's here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and here for Sunday school. I'm going to pick a spy. I'm going to send the spy to all these potato churches and just see what they're doing. You know, see what they're doing. I pray for them. Lent, 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 we do. We pray for them every morning. If they're preaching the gospel, more power to them. If the people are getting saved, praise God. That's what it's about. But it's, it goes beyond that. Jesus said, go ye therefore outside your doors. Go across the yard. Go across the road. Go to the next state. Go to the next county. Go out of the country. Share the word of God. Well, I'm thinking about the next generation. Well, this morning, let me see. I guess there's somebody in here old enough to be my daddy. <laughs> 68, 78, 88, I don't even could be. Mr. Truett, how old are you? You don't mind telling us, I know. 84. 84. He could bite near be my daddy. Okay, if it's so, if it was, okay, here we go. We got a generation right there, all right? We got a generation right here, all right? I got children. That's another generation. 
My children have got children. That's another generation. Bible talks about generations. Bible talks about God visiting the third and fourth generation because of the sins of those past generations. Hey, we gotta be careful what we do with our youngins. I mean, we got we got a generation there and a generation here. Oh, here's a generation right here. Um. And they say the other generation is in the nursery and the children's church. But we constantly, there's different generations coming along. And we need to teach our generation. Give them an opportunity to sing. Give them an opportunity to share. Give them an opportunity to work. Do something. Again, I was so proud of the, I called them the three G's yesterday. <laughs> Grant, Graham, and Grady. <laughs> I was so proud to see them. Well, yeah, they may have gotten in the way, but I didn't hear anybody say, you're going to have to move. Get out of my way. Okay, if we had a, those words would have lodged in their little minds. And as they get older, they say, hey, I remember as a child, they told me to get out of the way. I've asked some of you, why don't you say amen or raise your hand or do something if the Spirit speaks to you. Oh, I was raised to be quiet. It's a new generation now, okay? It's a new church. Same gospel. It's okay to say amen. It's okay to say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on now. Hallelujah. Yes, you can. Church, it's time we spoke up. They running, they opening up all kind of buildings every which way and calling it a church. Well, praise God if they're doing what they're supposed to do. What about our morals? What about our beliefs? What about our lifestyles? They're changing drastically. You mark it down, they're changing. Sad to say that morals are changing for the, for the worst. And beliefs even well, what do you believe about this? I believe what the book says. If the Bible says it, I believe it. I don't have a problem with it. Jesus said, you go ahead, Peter. I want you to build a church and build it on me, he said. Build it on the rock, the solid rock. And I promise you, Peter, if you do, and if you preach the word, nothing is going to come against the church. Oh, she may go through some battles. She may lose some battles. But God's not going to leave us, y'all. He's going to be there for us. I, I'm so, I'm so thankful. Um, but we, 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 we know we have to do some changing. We don't want to lose our youngins, um, and whatever it takes to present the gospel, so they can understand. Hey, I'm willing. Whatever music needs to be sung uh, to to reach our youngins. Hey. You know, I, as I looked up here at this choir, okay, I'm not going to point at anybody, but as I looked up here at this choir, I looked around and I thought, why aren't they in the choir? And you know what I see? Because probably when they were little, they wasn't, they wasn't made to come or brought or whatever to sing in the children's choir. I love our children's choir. Hey, I want more of that. We can do that, can't we? I love to see our little kids standing up here. And they love to stand up here. Hey, when you see the little children stand up here and, and they'll look back and they find their mom or daddy or grandma or grandpa, they go, 
They want you to know, hey, it's me, I'm up here. Look at me. And that's okay. We don't want to lose them, guys. I know several churches, hey, basically, literally, that are dying. They only have the older generation. I'm thankful here at First Baptist, we got everybody. Everybody. We were working on the building there yesterday and out front. Uh, we had saws set up out there, and I don't remember what I was doing when I was out there, but I saw this young man coming up, up the street. Nothing against him now, you understand. I want you to understand, nothing against this, okay? But he had his tattoos, and he had his rings, and he had his long hair, and he had his whatever you call that thing tied on his head. And uh, I said, young man, he had his ear things in. I said, I don't know where he can hear me or not, but I'm going to speak to him. Hey, young man, how you doing? He stopped me, turned, pulled out. Yes, sir, how you doing? I said, I'm doing fine, sir. He started walking toward me. I started walking toward him. He said, uh, you need some help here where you work? I said, well, yes, sir. I said, we, we can always use help, but I said, we're volunteers. Uh, we're just working inside the building, trying to make things look a little better. I said, where you go to church? He said, nowhere, sir. I said, where you live? He said, right down here on Brock Road. I said, look at me. I said, and I had my overalls on. He looked at me. I said, you see how I'm dressed? Yeah. I said, would you believe I'm the pastor here? He said, sure enough. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, please come. I said, we'd love to have you come. He may be in here this morning. I don't know. He may be changed up. You know, you can't never tell. But just a little spot check, you know, hey. In a little while, I got his name. I, we come back down the street, right there. Had his dog with him. He looked this way. I said, hey, David, how you doing? Hey, hey, all right. Friendliness, just make a contact. Let them know, hey, it's okay. Come in here. I may wear my overalls. One generation always influences another one. You agree? Okay. In the Old Testament, you can read back there in the Old Testament. At one point, there were four generations living in one household. Okay? And, and they were living in that. And, they, and the little ones got to look at the next age up. And that, that age got to look at the next age. And the next age looking at the next age. So they begin to just copy one another. That's the way it is. They copy one another. Sometimes we fail. Coming along, we may fail to do what we're supposed to do. And then that, that one is looking at us and, well, must not have meant much. Must not have meant too much. Uh, you know, I remember, I remember the days when I was just a child and, and going to church. And, and when we would get to church, I don't remember how much the the, the Sunday school offering, I don't remember how much daddy or mama gave me. It, it, I guarantee you, it probably wasn't a dollar in those years in, in the uh, early 50s, but they'd always give me something. You know, so in my Sunday school class, I could drop it in the, in the plate, you know. Now, what should have happened, I should have been taught in the main service, hey, we give uh, our tithe. Now, my mama, I told you this before, my mama did teach me that. I was probably a teenager then when she taught me to tithe, just tithe. You realize this morning, if every church member, just tithe. Don't worry about our offering right now. Just tithe. What, what kind of generation would we raise up? 
It'd raise up a changed generation. It'd raise up something that would be pleasing to God. You see, it's the responsibility of us as older, the older generation, to influence the next. In fact, it's a great challenge. The Bible says, train up a child. You don't say, train up a 30 or 40-year-old man, your son's done moved out and whatever. You don't say, train him up. Hey, only hope we have there is to live before him. Man said, well, you know, I watched my daddy and he never did. I said, wait a minute, stop. I said, you can't help the way you was raised, but you're a grown man now. You're going to have to answer for the way you're living. Your daddy's going to have to answer for what he raised you. But the thing about it is, if he's a Christian, he's asked God to forgive him. God's forgiven him. That's over and done, son. It's on your shoulders now. You're the one now. And so you look back, okay? My daddy didn't always go to church, no. Lynn's daddy didn't always go to church, no. But we didn't let that influence us not to always go to church. You understand? You get, you get the message. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. When we think about this, I want us to think about influencing the next generation. If we're going to influence the next generation, I, my question, my first question is, what is the next generation church going to be like? The next generation church. We're already seeing it. But so what I have, the questions I have for this next generation church is, first of all, the Bible. Where, where will the Bible be? Where is it? And I wrote down these little simple things. The Bible's either lost, they don't know where it is, or it's on a shelf somewhere collecting dust, or it's gotten left behind somewhere and nobody had wrote their name in it so we don't know who the Bible belongs to. Or the Bible is in our hearts and our minds. That's where it's at. It's in our hearts or it's in our minds. Another thing, the music, the songs. What type of songs will be sung? Well, I love the old-time gospel. I love the contemporary. I, I, love, I love stringed instruments. The, you men who went to the uh, men's uh, quarterly fellowship, uh, three old boys up there, one picking a guitar, one picking a mandolin, one picking a bass. Wow. And they sang old hymns. But, I mean, they tore them up. They were lively, and they made them rock and roll. Danny sits over here, bless his heart, he playing the bass. Some of you play guitar, some of you play other things. You need to join him. We need to, we need to get it going, okay? Mark's leading the choir, leading the congregation, and I love the men when they stand up here, four or five of you. And I love the ladies, four or five. We, I want that to happen, okay? You understand? Music is a part of worship. And we don't want to lose that. And God has sent us a wonderful man that knows how to lead. But listen, he needs volunteers. He needs volunteers. <laughs> you don't need to go out and say, won't you join the choir? Uh-uh. You need to be knocking him down and say, hey, is there any more room in your choir? Or hey, I play a guitar. Can I get in? Well, come and let's see what you got. You know, some of you've laid it down. You've shoved it in a corner somewhere or another, and it's got so much dust on it, the latches won't work right. God's blessed you with that. Come and share that, and, and let it be a vital part uh, of what's going on. Not only, not only where is the Bible and, and the kind of music the next generation church is going to have, but what about 
Do you reckon the blood of Jesus will be mentioned? You know what it says? You know what the Bible says about the blood of Jesus? Without the shedding of blood, there's not going to be any forgiveness of sin. The blood, it must be applied to our sins. What about a time of invitation? Oh, I don't want to embarrass myself or nobody. I'm just not. I'm going to sit right here and hope somebody will come by and say, Are you lost? Yeah. I want to be saved. Yeah. Hey, Jesus said, Come unto me, and I'll give you rest, and I'll forgive you sins. You say, I don't like a crowd. I can't stand up in front of a crowd. But I bet you go to the ball game with four or five, six hundred at high school game, and, and you sitting around there standing up. Bad call! Who in the world was that? But crowds bother you. Oh, I can't get in the crowd. See you in Walmart, bumping shoulders. You can't stir them with a stick. But a crowd bothers them. The thing is, the devil don't want them in here. The devil don't want them to come forward. The devil don't want them to expose themselves and say, hey, I'm lost and I want to be saved. My goodness. I, it's, we've got to get up and get going. Blood. A time of invitation. How about the virgin? How about the, how about uh, the virgin birth? You reckon it'll be mentioned? So you believe that? Yes, I believe that. Bible says, "Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus." Yes, I believe it, and it don't need to be left out of the next generation church. Will anybody give a testimony in the next generation church? Will anybody hit the floor and say, Pastor, I want to share what God's done for me this week? Will there? I don't know. If it's not, hey, you know, hey, I, I love choirs. But you, get, you go in some of these churches, they don't have a choir, they've got a praise team. Hey, that's fine, I love a praise team. But what happened to the choir? Well, they brought in a new music director and, and they started doing praise teams and I sang in the choir for 20 years and I went back and took a seat. Nobody said, I sure miss the choir, don't you? I don't want to do away with the choir. I want to add, okay? Add. We have more music ability in this church than anything I have ever seen. One of the most amazing things that I have noticed is men just get up and sing a solo. Bam, y'all. Wow. You know? Most of the time you see ladies doing it. And I know some of you men that don't sing in the choir, you could, if you would. Do you understand? Not only the next generation church, but we're talking about influencing the next generation. What, what about the next generation's leaders? Leaders. Are we doing anything to train any new leaders? Listen, I won't always be able to do what I'm doing. I don't know what I'll do if I can't do what I'm doing, Okay. I'll do something else. I'm not going to quit. But hey, I'm thankful that there's been some young boys that have heard God's call on their life and have accepted the call to preach God's word. Romans 12, 1 and 2. You don't have to turn there, but don't you listen. Paul said, he said, hey, I'm a begging you. Luke said, I'm begging you. And, and he says, I'm begging you, brothers and sisters. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to present your bodies. I want you to present it as a living sacrifice. He says, holy 
and acceptable to God, which is the best thing you can do, is give yourself to God. That's the best thing you can do, not just for 30, 45 minutes on Sunday morning, but all week long. We should be giving ourselves to God. And, that's, and the second verse says, and do not change, listen, do not change to suit the world. I think that's what some of these churches are doing. They're changing to suit the world, okay? Do not change to suit the world, but allow God, listen, to transform us by changing the mind that we may accept the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The next generation leaders, we need to give our body to God, give our mind to God, give our will to God. You'll be amazed what he'll do if we'll just give in. I wish everybody would come at least one Sunday, just everybody. I'm not talking about those who live out of state. Now I'm talking about those who live right around here who are members and don't have come. I wish they'd all come at one time. Say, where are we going to put them? Don't worry. Say, you can't be worried about where you're going to put them. Just get them in here. I'll give up my seat. They can have my seat. I don't even have a seat. <laughs> but get them here. Next, influence the next generation, okay? What will the church be like? What will the leaders be like? What will the next generation families be like? Now listen, character is born in the home. That's where it starts, in the home. It's amazing. Our little children are listening. Our little children want to hear. They want to see. Old tater bug, he got his overalls on today and walked all the way over here where I was at. Pulled, said, he wanted me to see his overalls. Hey. I like his overalls. You got pockets. Pockets. Arden had blue jeans on, and I run my little fingers down, my fingers down in the little pocket. There wasn't nothing in there. I said, Arden, you need something in your pocket. And I had some loose change, and I handed it to him. I said, put that in your pocket. He took off and run upstairs and come back. I said, what'd you do with your money? He said, I put it in my jug. He said, I'm saving coins. Pocket. Put something in their little pocket before they leave the house. Say, now, I'm putting this in this pocket over here. This is God's over here. You give this to God this morning, and I'm going to put something over here. This is for you this morning, okay? Do it to start with a generation, little child, that character in the home. It's where it's taught. It's where it comes from. It's where we start our first church is in the home. And then we bring them to God's house. And we need to tell them that when they're little tiny. And they just begin to talk and say, where are we going? We're going to God's house. And we pull up and say, look, let's see. Yonder's a steeple. Over here's where we have Sunday school. Show them. This is God's house. It's not just another building. And some of these places you drive by, you wouldn't know whether it's a manufacturing company or a church. Generations, the families. Uh, you know, some families, of course, is only made up of one, uh, one person. If you're single, one person as a family. Hey, 
Sometime it'll be one parent and children. God's idea is a husband and a wife and children. That's his idea. It was the best idea. Sin has come along and ruined the idea. And we're reaping some of that today. Because the Bible says you're going to reap what you sow. I heard somebody say one time, don't date anybody that you don't plan to marry. Lynn and I dated for seven years and, and we broke up. I don't tell you how many times in that period of time. And I dated others. You know why? I wasn't interested in others. I want to make her mad. I want to make her jealous. I want to tell you how dirty I was. I had a motorcycle. In those days, we didn't have air conditioning, church house. She and I had been dating, I don't know how long. I had a motorcycle. I didn't go to church that Wednesday night. I went next door and asked the little girl who was the same age as her. She didn't go to church on Wednesday night either. Come on, let's go to ride. She come out, we got on the motorcycle, we went to ride. I'd done it on purpose. I come back in the yard about time church was letting out so they'd see me pulling in with somebody else. I was bad. I got what I wanted. <laughs> Almost 40, going on 45 years now. We need to have a goal. We need to know what we want according to God's holy will and go for it. Do whatever it takes to reach the goal that he sets before us. Y'all listening? Says so getting mighty growly. Yeah, it is. The next family. The next family needs to love God. You know how? With all their heart, soul, and mind. Love God with heart, soul, mind. Love each other. You know how? Like we love others. Love each other. Love yourself. Love yourself like you love others. Now, I know you love me, but I ain't going to let you put all that cream all over here trying to clear these wrinkles up. You know, you can love me, but I don't, I don't have to have that cream, all right? Love God and love others. Love going to God's house. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You say, well, that church don't meet on Sunday night. Well, I don't know that the Bible says you had to go on Sunday night. But if you're a member of a church that meets on Sunday night, you ought to be here. Hello? Ain't nobody out there? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all. It's time to get on. Get with it. If I didn't want to go to church on Sunday night, I'd join one of these fly by nights that only meets on Sunday morning. Makes me feel good and flutters my feathers and out the door I go, hey, hey. Don't call me, I'm the preacher, but don't call me, I'm busy. Young man wanted to get married, called me. I said, okay, who you marrying? He told me. I said, where she live? Well, she lives down in, in Anderson. And I said, well, where are y'all going to church? And he told me. I said, well, usually, I said, it's customary that you get the girl's pastor to do the wedding. He said, but he don't do weddings. I said, well, I am sorry. I mean, hey. I'm just not going to accommodate. I'm sorry. Don't try to pull my leg. I ain't got but two. You pull one, I'm going to fall. <laughs> Love going to God's house. 
Bible said, don't forsake the assembling together. As the manner of some are, as you see the day of Jesus coming, this is the best place to be when he comes. Best thing is to be saved, but the next best thing would be to be in his house when he comes to take the church away. All right, let me give you the last thing. We, we talk about the next generation of church, the next generation's leaders, the next generation's family, <clears throat> but what about the next generation's destination? Where are they going? I'm going to tell you, aim one or two places. Bible's very plain. Heaven, where Jesus is, where God is, where everything is happy, and the other place is hell, outer darkness, where the fire goeth, doesn't go out, where people are screaming and gnawing their teeth and chewing on their tongue because of torment. The next generation may be headed that way. I've often said we are one generation of being a lost nation. A lost nation. What are you doing to, to make things better? It's not what our church can do for you, but what can you do for our church? What can I do for my church? You see, heaven is for the saved. Jesus told the thief on the cross, he said, son, he said, Lord, you remember me when I come into your presence? He said, you can be with me today in paradise, heaven. On the other side, hell was the rich man. The rich man. The Bible says he lifted up his eyes. That means he could see. You don't go there and burn up like a stick of wood. He lifted up his eyes. He could see. And he called out to Father Abraham. Oh, send somebody. Say, we send nobody, son. You've made a choice. You're there because of your choices. You're there because you failed to recognize God as creator. You're there because you turned down all the occasions to get right with God. I beg you, I plead with you. Let's just simply do this. Let's just get right with God and do our best to influence the next generation to keep First Baptist alive. I beg you. In the name of Jesus, I beg you. Set the right example. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your presence this morning. Lord, thank you for seeing us through. And God, I pray that your word would speak to somebody. God, I know I'm not even worthy to stand in this place. I'm thankful you don't hold all my past against me. Lord, I just want to be an influence on every generation, those that's ahead of me and those behind me. I want to leave a clear path for others to follow. And God, in spite of all that we try to do, we know that the devil is powerful. We know he'll try to trip us up and get us off on the wrong path. But I pray that you'd help us to stand tall. You'd help us to stand strong that you'd help us to stand on your word. Bless the generations that are in this room right now, Father. Speak to their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.